0: Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this is Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we talk about kids' movies and take them way too seriously. Today we watched and will be talking about Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. Now, before we even go further, uh, we need to fess up about something. We probably mentioned this in the last podcast you heard. But uh, we are recording this episode about Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2 before we have watched and recorded Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 1. Just, Just to mess things up. So we have a plan. Our plan, if all goes well, is that you will have heard our Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs episode before you hear this one, but we haven't recorded it yet.
1: So we don't know what we said. It's all a mystery to us.
0: So you know more, you, dear listener, know more than even we know about us. That's kind of freaky. Anyway, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> the point, really, of bringing this up now is, as we go through our discussion of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs two, we may—I have no idea whether we're going to be recovering ground or. How how it's going to relate to the discussion that you heard just last week, presumably, about <laughs> Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 1. So, Jan, having said all that, do you want to tell us a little bit about this movie?
1: Yes, yes I do. Alright, so Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, or as I'm going to call it from now on, Cloudy 2. I think we it's should it's call
0: way it quack Quackum 2 No. In the tradition of the
1: no, (laughs) okay. So this is a 2013 movie, the sequel to a 2009 movie, loosely based on a children's book by uh, Judy Barrett. It stars Bill Hader, Anna Faris, James Caan, Andy Zamberg, Benjamin Bratt, etc. We'll talk more about the cast. It is the story of the continued story of Flint Lockwood just after the events of the first movie their island has been destroyed and he finds his childhood hero comes to uh, comes to hire him in they find out that the island has been taken over by living food him and all of his friends flint and all of his friends go back there to stop the machine it turns out that his childhood hero is a villain and he uh Manages to defeat him in the end and rescue all of the food animals. Is
0: that a good enough summary? I think that's fine. I think we'll cover more plot as we go forward, but that's all you really need to know. Yeah. Um. So let's start where we usually do with an appraising, appraising of the quality of this movie. And do your best to keep your level of enjoyment of the movie <laughs> on hold for now, because we'll get to that. But... <laughs> In, in, like, objective terms, how good is this movie? I'm going to start by suggesting an appraisal of the animation and saying that the animation of this movie is fine but not great. What? I think it's... I like all the, the food is well animated. I think
1: the characters aren't necessarily, like, the greatest. They're pretty standard. But the food, I feel like they did a... a it's stylized, but also, I don't know, I feel like it's well done. I feel like the character design of the food is good.
0: There's a lot of creativity mm-hmm. in the food. Hmm. Yeah, well, um, I guess
1: it's a separate thing from the That's animation. kind of a
0: separate thing from animation. And I feel like, although there's a lot of creativity with the food, and we'll get to that creativity, and I have good things to say about it, but the, in terms of character design, the food even is not consistently designed. Right? Mm. Like, that's one of the things to yeah, notice in bit, terms of... Yeah,
1: very, looks very different from, like, the taco monster and the...
0: Right. And whatnot. Yeah. So there's not consistency. The, like, just in terms of pure quality of animation, there's not nothing bad about it, I would posit. But I would say that, like... I'd like to see you do better. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say this is not the best animated movie I've ever seen.
1: Okay. Yeah. I can I can see where you're coming from there. I I'm I don't like to diss that because animation's really hard. I don't know. It is, it's but like, like we've been talking. I mean, we were we were just talking not very long ago about Song of the Sea, exactly which is fantastic beyond all everything. So like, yeah, when you compare it to something like that, then of course, yeah, that doesn't this doesn't compare. Like at we all. talked
0: about Song of the Sea really recently, and I just listened to because as we recorded this one. Our episode on Prince of Egypt just aired, which gives you, by the way, a sense of the uh, amount of backlog we have. You can figure it out if you want to, that we're recording this right the same day as Prince of Egypt aired. But uh, Prince of Egypt also, beautiful animation. Yeah. And I feel like we've done several movies where I've said like, oh, this movie is beautifully animated. And we come to this and I say, it's okay. It's fine.
1: So how about the voice acting? We've got, I think, Bill Hader doing a great job. I think in this one, it's interesting, they changed the actor for, uh, I can't remember the character's name, the cop. Earl. Earl was Mr. T in the first movie and is Terry Crews in this movie. And Terry Crews, you may know him if you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, he plays Terry, and he's essentially the same character, and it's hilarious. He is doing a
0: fantastic job (laughs) in this movie, though. I'm like, Mr. T, that was stunt casting, Mm -hmm. and we're recording this having not seen the first one in a long time, so I don't remember how good Mr. T was in the first movie, but I do know that Terry Crews is great Mm -hmm. uh, in this movie. Yeah. The character that he plays is reliably hilarious. And, like,
1: what I wonder is if Terry Crews, like, the first movie was long before Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Did Terry Crews base his performance as Terry on that? Though, (laughs) and you get the impression that Terry Crews is Terry from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, is this guy. He just, like,
0: I don't know. He he gives a bit of an impression of, like, he's, you know, both. a lot of the humor of Terry on Brooklyn Nine-Nine comes from the juxtaposition of him being extremely muscular and also soft-hearted. Mm-hmm. Um, a little less in this movie. A little
1: less in this movie, you're right.
0: But similar. Like, mm-hmm. he's extremely muscular, but, you know, uh, funny and witty also. Yeah. There's there's the same juxtaposition of he's... Uh, Tough and muscular, but goes against certain aspects of the jock stereotype. Yeah.
1: So, what about some of the other actors? Some I of the performances.
0: I think Will Forte, who de- who plays the villain in this movie, is Chester so v. Chester V. Mm-hmm. Uh, is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I think he's really funny in the way that he pronounces some words idiosyncratically for no apparent reason. Like, no, he does his O's weird, and it's yep. just. It's just funny. Like, it's a funny choice. A bully or, you know, mm-hmm. all the way through. I think he's really funny. Yeah. I think I have nothing but good to say about the vocal performances yeah, in this movie. Absolutely. I think they're good across the how, board.
1: How about Neil Patrick Harris? Neil Patrick Harris as the monkey <laughs> of Steve. He's so funny. He said there's so few lines, but Steve is the, one of the funniest monkeys around.
0: <laughs> Weird. Yeah. I think... All the vocal performances are great. I have no complaints to make about it. Um, I don't know that if I was going to uh, call one of the vocal performances to stand out, I think it would be Will Forte as Chester V. Mm-hmm. But that's a close race. Yeah. I think they're all good. Kristen Schaal is funny. Anna Ferris is funny. They're all like doing their thing really well. I, I don't have a complaint to make about any of the vocal performances
1: Yeah. In terms of if this is a good movie, the story is well done. It's never, it doesn't deviate from itself. It goes from like they are trying to, they are friends together. They break up, they go to the island. They, there's this like off again, on again with his friends. Chester is the villain. They defeat, I don't know. You think it's muddled?
0: I think the plot is straightforward, but I think that the conflicts, the uh, secondary conflicts are uh, improperly motivated and um, are contrived. So the fight between one of them, the, the way the conflicts work in this movie is first, uh, what's his name? Flint. First, there's a conflict between Flint and himself that he wants to impress the Chester Chester. V and doesn't. Then there's a conflict between uh, and and that's fine. That's all good. Then there's a conflict between the whole group and the island. That's good and fine, I think. Then there's a conflict within the group that I think is contrived. I think they break up the group, and it's not like when he leaves, he doesn't trust or want the help of the, his friends, yeah. and they get mad at him and storm off, and then he's like, "Oh, they were right," and goes back after them. Mm-hmm. Chester V drives a wedge between uh, Flint and his friends. And I think it is not. I think it's contrived. I don't mm. think it makes sense character wise. I don't think yeah. it's there's enough there for him. Like these are the people that you know. He has, I mean, basically, and I think that that drives to, I don't think this movie has a whole lot of emotional depth.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I, in
0: fact, I think I'm understating it when I say this movie doesn't have a whole lot of emotional depth. No, it doesn't have much depth.
1: No, definitely not. And I mean, that's fine because it's not a movie to get emotionally invested in. No. It's a movie to laugh with. And it does a very excellent job of that.
0: I think, like, you're... uh, I'm trying to, like, objectively critique some things about the movie, um, but we could maybe take our next step already mm-hmm. into, despite this, I enjoy the heck out of this movie. <laughs> like,
1: I gotta say, this of all movies, um, this isn't the first time we've watched it, it's about the third or fourth even time we've watched it, This, but this of all movies we've watched with our kids surprised me the most, yeah. because... This one and I think maybe Meet the Robinsons were ones that you just kind of pick arbitrarily. You're like, I guess we'll watch that. I guess that might that's a fun kids movie. I try to be picky, but I can't always be. And then it was so delightful and yeah. so good and so uh, made me genuinely laugh all the time.
0: Yeah, same here. And like I was being critical of the story and the writing in some ways but despite those criticisms this movie and its uh predecessor are really unreasonably good like mm-hmm. they're so much better than i had any reason to expect them to be yeah. and this movie as you said i don't there's not a lot of emotional depth and the conflicts are improperly motivated and uh and false and uh, contrived but who cares? It's so funny. Yeah. And so creative. Yeah. And like, it made me laugh a I mean, lot. in
1: terms of the writing, it's the number, the sheer number of puns is like beyond impressive. <laughs> like to come up with that many food related puns, food and animal related puns is just
0: like. Flamingos! Shrimp pansies! Those are some tasty looking jellyfish! Oh, over there that's
1: just a tomato <laughs> there's a leak in the boat <laughs> sheep.
0: Gandalfs. yeah puns are one of the kinds of humor that really people get upset about people either love or they hate puns mm-hmm. and so if you're not like if a pun doesn't tickle you you might watch this movie and think like what were they talking about
1: well and you might think if you listen to our other podcast, Clockworks, where we begin every episode with a pun that Paul makes and I shoot down, that we might, that I might, for instance, not like puns, but secretly I do like <laughs> puns. I, I really like them. This movie is hilarious.
0: <laughs> it was a shtick all along.
1: No, don't tell them. She
0: always thought I was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be obvious.
1: Yeah. Anyway.
0: But like, it's not like the puns are the thing that come immediately to mind, but so many things about this movie yes. are funny. The, the weird pronouncing of words that Will Forte does.
1: The background stuff, That there's this one scene where we can't have a clip of it because it's all visual. It's they're having this serious conversation and, and in the background, Steve the Monkey, <laughs> Paul is laughing, just me talking about it because he laughed so hard. Steve the monkey is trying to put out this birthday birthday candle <laughs> that won't go out. <laughs> and And he's just like he can't put it out. He eats it, and it goes in his tail. And he's flailing around, and no one in the scene is reacting to him at all. And then the next scene, he's still in the background, dragging his tail. (laughs) Like it just. Never isn't. It's so funny. It's never not funny. Yeah. It, yeah, it is really delightful. This, it is. This movie is very, has a lot of moments like that that are just delightful. And it has a few adult humor moments, but I think they are enough over the kid's head that they won't get them. There, There is, what comes to mind is he invents this uh, laser beam. That initially is pants. <laughs> and so the laser beam is pointing straight out of his crotch. Right. And then the Sam, Sam, the the woman, is like, how about a hat instead? And so she puts it, and so then it's a it coming out of his head, and it's way more appropriate. And, like, yeah. it's kind of a blink-and-you-miss-it joke. And there's a few of those little ones. I think,
0: like, it's a funny joke any way that, like, ha, huh, he was going to wear it as pants, but it obviously looks like exactly. a hat. But it also, like, it looks like it's coming out of his crotch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a, one or two of those, but, yeah, they do go by very quickly. I feel
1: like they are the kind of adult joke that that work in a kid's movie where it's, it's funny on both levels. Like you say, to a kid, they just see it as ha, ha, ha. It, it is clearly a hat. And... uh and adults see it a different way, and it goes by so quickly that you don't. Yeah, I mean, it's much like Lego Batman that we said about that, was that the adult jokes work on both levels, that the kids also can laugh at them, and they're not so inappropriate that
0: yep. as to stand out. Like Lego Batman, the pacing is quite frenetic. Very, yes. And like Lego Batman, I didn't really mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but someone might. Yeah, You might, your mileage may vary. You Mm -hmm. might find the, like, frantic cut, 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 run around flailing and screaming uh, hard to focus on. And frankly,
1: this is, like, the third or fourth time I've seen this, and I got even more puns this time. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there was one that I noticed this time that I had never noticed before, and so, like, they go by so very fast.
0: So, um, do you want to... Move on to taking this movie. A little yeah, too we seriously? Need say,
1: we need to get past this. Like it's hilarious,
0: but let's take it too seriously. Way, 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 way too way too way too, seriously. too seriously. Seriously, seriously, seriously. Okay. Were, did you want so, me to say that along with you? Was that mm, supposed?
1: To? No, that's not, okay. I, I was just being silly. Okay, go. okay. So, uh, Sam Sparks is the Smurfette.
0: Yeah, that's, massively.
1: Yeah, she has the one love interest of Flint, kind of. It's a weird love interest thing. I kind of like it actually that they don't really know how to kiss.
0: <laughs> One of the hilarious jokes. That's is that I mean they that's both.
1: a that's a holdover from the first movie that they don't really know how to kiss. And then like you get the impression that maybe she wants a romantic relationship, but mostly it's
0: just about the science. And like <laughs> yeah, they want to start a lab together.
1: Yeah, and like it's not like she's pining after him to like how you don't know what I mean. You don't. I I mean really together. But no, no,
0: she's on the same wavelength as him. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about Sam Sparks, I think there's two things. One is, as the Smurfette, she's the only female character mm-hmm. on the good team. This movie passes the Bechdel test because uh, um, the orangutan whose name yes. is Barb, Barb, Barb the orangutan played by Kristen Shaw, Kristen Shaw uh, is also a female character, and the two of them have a conversation about whether each of them are legitimately scientists. Yes, but it's a quick conversation. They barely interact, and they are each the lone female member of their respective teams. Yes, and uh, one is an orangutan, and one is an orangutan. Having said that, uh, although she's a Smurfette, and there's a lot to criticize there, if you're going to have a lone female character, Sam Sparks is pretty great. She is. She's, she's scientific.
1: She's. Uh,
0: she's smart.
1: She's competent. She has all of her own agency. Yeah, Flint tries to come and tell her that he's going to the island by himself, and she's just like, "No,
0: no, I'm no, coming, I'm coming,
1: I'm coming, I'm coming along." And there's no convincing her otherwise, because of course she is,
0: and she has her own motivation, and mm-hmm. they mostly coincide with Flint's, but not because she wants to do what Flint wants. It's it's what a good uh, partnership of any kind, romantic or not looks like on film, which is two people whose goals align because they both want the same thing, rather than two people whose goals align because they want what the other one wants because the other one wants it, right? So she is a meteorologist, and it's a holdover joke, a little bit of the last movie, Mm -hmm. that in the last movie, meteorologists don't get respect, but she's a serious scientist of a meteorologist, and in this movie they revisit that a little bit, but Mm -hmm. it's mostly just like She's a scientist. She wants to study weather, and she has uh, helpful things to contribute. And she's uh, adventurous and smart, but but weird and quirky and funny. She isn't yeah. stuck with what often the Smurfette is, which is being the straight man. Yeah, she's great. I really like her as a character.
1: Yeah. I have a little bit more to say about Sam and Flynn. Go, Flint, Flint. Go. Flint. I keep wanting to say Flynn like Flynn Rider. Flint. Sam. Sam and Flint. Fl-
0: <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Really? I'm doing that just to be a brat, but go ahead. You are a brat.
1: <laughs> Sam and Flint, uh, their relationship being kind of non-romantic, I appreciate that in a kids movie. I, don't get me wrong, I love romantic movies, I love romantic comedies, but when it comes to kids movies, I think that a little bit of romance goes a long way. Yeah. You don't need to have men and women in relationships. In a kids movie, because kids are already getting that all the time. I think that it's, that they don't need, maybe I'm going to go off on a rant that's not really related Mm, to this. But I'm tired, but I get so tired of like my six-year-old being told that like, oh, she's in love with her male classmate. And that's just like, she's six. No, she isn't. It's, they can be friends with each other. And I think too many movies... And TV shows pushing ro- yeah. romance on on children is just a negative thing in general. And I'm glad to have a movie that where there's kind of this a little bit of a subtext that Sam and Flint are in love with each other. It's barely explored, and I'm totally fine with that.
0: And I, I mean, in this part of what we mean when we talk about heteronormative, we, yes. we the major part of that is the assumption that all romantic relationships are heterosexual. Mm-hmm. But another aspect of heteronormativity is all relationships between men and women are inherently sexual, mm-hmm, right? Exactly. So if there's a male character and a female character, they must get together in a romantic relationship. That's heteronormativity. Yeah. Um. And this movie falls to it a little bit because they do start and end the movie kissing. But they spend a lot of the movie, their relationship revolves around uh, like intellectual respect and trying to help each other achieve their goals exactly and then basically the last movie had a romantic relationship and this movie only does as much as it needs to to maintain continuity but Mm -hmm. it doesn't push that relationship forward Mm -hmm. at all nope not at all and why that's refreshing is exactly what you just said
1: yeah exactly so um what else is there to talk? Well, take, to make I was—I noticed
0: the good—the team of good guys, mm-hmm. uh, diverse. Yeah, it includes. Yep. I mean, it includes Flint, uh, white yep. man, Sam's white man played by white man, mm-hmm. Sam Sparks white woman <laughs> played by white mm-hmm.
1: woman. Yeah,
0: Earl, black man played by black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manny, the cameraman, mm-hmm. Latino man played by Latino man. He's mm-hmm. played by Benjamin Brad. Yes, who
1: is wonderful, Who by is the way. so good. So, Manny is an interesting character, too. He's yeah. very, uh, complicated and funny and, yeah. And if we could
0: talk about him just for a second to yes. say that a little bit like, um, I mean, he, a little bit like, uh, Earl or Terry Cruz's characters, where he, part of the humor comes from a juxtaposition of mm-hmm. what you would expect. Yeah. Um, Manny is, you know, the cameraman, but is a surgeon uh and a, is starts the movie as like a veterinary surgeon and then gets called back to be the cameraman, is like, I can drop everything and leaves yeah. a cow half a calf, <laughs> half delivered. Um But I feel like I mean, this may just be ignorance, but I feel like they're not.
1: Using stereotype. or playing
0: with any stereotypes, mm-hmm. they're not subverting stereotypes; they're just ignoring them completely. Yeah, he's this weird ju- juxtaposition of, you know, interests and quirky, unexpected skills, mm-hmm. but none of them are like, oh, you know, uh, Latino men who are cameramen. Like, if that's a stereotype, it's one I'm unaware of. Me too. Yeah. Or
1: we're we're very Canadian though. Yeah, that is so. true. You, feel free to correct us if we're wrong here because there's just not that population in Canada at all.
0: True. Very true. Um, anyway, but Latino man played by Latino man. Yeah. So, so it's a.
1: what you're saying is, yeah, it's a it's diverse a racially cast,
0: diverse cast, both cast and characters. Mm-hmm. And they don't have any, I don't think that, uh, I think that they avoid tokenism. Mm-hmm. I think they avoid stereotyping, I think they avoid what we complained about, uh, in some past movies of having, uh, you know, someone be a white man unless there is a plot relevant reason for them not to be. Yeah, Like there's no reason Manny the needs main, to be. The main,
1: the main character is a white man, which that is that playing is. into that, but that's, I mean, that is what it is. It's hard to find a movie that isn't that, and that's a problem in general.
0: And that doesn't mean that this movie doesn't uh, deserve some shade for that. Yeah. But having thrown that shade, there's other things to be worth uh, being pleased with.
1: Yeah. And I think that, speaking of race and identity, the orangutan ape, (laughs) Kristen Schull plays an ape who isn't super intelligent. And throughout the movie... She gets called a monkey and corrects people to be calling her an ape, which is funny because our kids also corrected it because they're very obsessed with, if it doesn't have a tail, it's not a monkey. Uh, And her boss, who she thinks is her friend, constantly calls her a monkey and she realizes that he's not her friend by, in the end, because he refuses to call her by her chosen identity. And I think that's a really powerful metaphor and a really important point to make is... Call people what they're asking you to call them. Yep. She, and and what they are. Yep. She's not a monkey, she's an ape. And she's insulted when you call her a monkey. And if you continue to do that, you're not her friend. Yeah. If you continue to call someone by something they don't want to be called, mm-hmm. you're not their friend and you are being cruel to them. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie makes... A very subtle but important point about identity that way, and I liked that a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And, that, I mean, there is a monkey in the movie. Yes, exactly. So, it's partly an aspect of, uh...
1: And the monkey's an idiot.
0: And the monkey's an idiot. Yeah. It's like, it's about accuracy, but it's about respecting her. And it's Mm -hmm. explicit, that's really the part that... about there's a monkey in the movie is irrelevant to the point I was going to make, which is this. <laughs> it's about accuracy, but it's mostly about respecting her. And the mm-hmm. movie explicitly makes that clear. Yeah, Like the movie does not say, I'm not an ape because, I mean, the movie doesn't say, I'm an ape. And here's why that's inaccurate. And as a scientist, I feel offended when you're, you're inaccurate. No, the movie explicitly mm-hmm. says, if you don't respect me, mm-hmm. like if he is your friend, why does he call you monkey when you're ape? Yep. Yeah. Chester thinks you're a monkey. Well, I'm an ape. Chester knows that.
1: But he calls you a monkey. It is true. He does. He's just joking around. Chester's my best friend. If Chester was really your friend, would he still call you a monkey?
0: Yeah, just to... I totally agree with what you said.
1: So... One of the overarching things in this movie is about Chester V. He yeah. is he is Flint, Flint. Man, I'm having trouble. With this Chester V. is Flint's childhood hero. Right. Who fails to live up to that? Who become who is in fact the villain of the piece? What does that say about? It's it's a common thing in movies and in fiction where childhood heroes fail. So. What does that say about...
0: Yeah, why does your childhood hero in this movie, and in fiction in general... Yeah,
1: that's what I'm asking you. ...villainous? Why is childhood hero villainous?
0: I think possibly there are two different avenues of serious depth to that. The one is it is a critique of hero worship in general, Mm -hmm. right? Um. And there's an aspect of that critique of hero worship that's connected to, like, the standard, fairly trite uh, message of a lot of kids' movies of be true to yourself and only look up to yourself and don't look up to anyone who isn't yourself. But I think only to a minor degree. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more of hero worship is different from respecting someone who has earned your respect Right. And what makes Chester V what makes Chester V a good stand-in for the inappropriate kind of hero worship is that Flint idolizes Chester V, and that is dangerous because he because of the difference between idolizing and respecting. Mm-hmm. So he Chester V inspires him appropriately. Chester V could have been exactly as villainous as he is and still have value in Flint's life for inspiring him to be a scientist Mm -hmm. and inventor. But the two things that are dangerous about uh, Flint's relationship to Chester V and about the concept of hero worship in general are that he makes it a blanket admiration so he admires one aspect of Chester V and therefore wants to emulate everything about Chester V mm, Yeah. And then two, hero worship is not based on mutual respect and it can never be. Mm, yeah. Uh, hero worship can never be nuanced By mutual give and take as a real adult relationship of respect can be. So you can continue to look up to and respect someone. But when you become an adult, you have to respect someone on adult terms. And that means demanding and expecting respect to be given to you as well as taken. Mm -hmm. And hero worship can never be that. So if...
1: Hero worship so easily ignores flaws because of that. Because you... If you don't demand respect back, then you can easily ignore their flaws because they're not giving you anything.
0: Right. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. And I think, so it's about, it's partly about growing up. When Mm -hmm. you grow up, you have to learn, and it's difficult and often painful. You have to learn to treat the adults that you have revered as fellow adults, Mm -hmm. whom you can still respect on equal footing it's also about the danger of hero worship in general. The more you hero worship someone, the more likely they are to be villainous. That is to say, the more likely they are to fail to live up to that hero worship absolutely. and that disappointment is in fact what makes them a villain.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, moving on from that, moving to maybe our last point. Do we have okay, anything so else? Okay, so here's to say? the thing.
0: Here's the thing about this movie. It's fun, it's charming, It's super entertaining and there's food and they're running around. But the major, a major plot point of why Chester V is villainous is that he's going to kill all this food to put into food bars and killing this food is evil. And when you think about it for even more than half a second.
1: It's a secret vegan propaganda movie. You guys, we should all be vegans.
0: I'm like not even joking about... I know you're not. Uh... (laughs) I'm taking this way too seriously. That all food, including plants, by the way, (laughs) was once alive. Mm -hmm. And so in this movie, it explicitly, like, you know, it's so terrible that he wants to kill this cheeseburger. What do you think a cheeseburger is made out of? Yeah. I think it's partly, I think it's possible to read this as secretly vegan propaganda. And I think, like, you know... I would not, frankly, I would not be against a movie being vegan propaganda. I'm not a vegan. But there is a real moral argument to be made for veganism. And Absolutely. I would respect a movie for making it. Yep. Um. So, but there's the alt. There's, I think, two ways of reading it. Mm-hmm. One is that this movie has a secret or a... Um, clandestine? Clandestine message that killing things to eat them is wrong. Mm-hmm. And there's another, I think, probably more accurate thing, which is this movie is so thoughtless about where food actually comes from. That's
1: where I think it actually is. I think it's not vegan propaganda. I think it, what it is, is we have become so separate from where our food comes from, especially children. We don't like to tell them that your your hamburger is made out of a cow and your. Your bacon is made out of a pig and your chicken is a chicken.
0: Yeah. I know your kid's pretty slow if they don't figure that one out.
1: They might not. (laughs) (laughs) We've been, we try to as much as we can. I mean, this is just to toot our own horns as parents because we're the, obviously the most perfect parents out there. Ha 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 ha. Yes. But we try to be really clear to our kids that, hey, this meat we're eating, it once was an animal. We're not going to pretend like it wasn't. We're not going to hide that from you. And if you choose not to eat it because of that, we'll respect that.
0: Yeah. And basically, I said a second ago that there's a moral argument to be made for veganism. I think if you are not morally comfortable with the fact, and your child, if your Mm. six year old is not morally comfortable with the fact that their bacon used to be a pig and that the only way you can eat bacon is by killing a pig, then don't eat bacon. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And this movie, I think, uh, by talking about, like, shrimp, shrimpansies, they're shrimp that are chimp- shrimp, no, wait, 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 shrimp, shrimp are already animals. animals. Shrimp are already alive animals. Yep. Right? Yeah. And, the, like, there's a plot point of Flint invents the food delivery, food deliverer that mm-hmm. is a teleporter that only works on food, but, like... Not to put too fine a point on it, but Flint, you yourself are made of meat. Yep. There is no distinction between you and a hamburger, really. Yeah. Right? Um, And all that to say, we're so divorced from where our food comes from, it's much easier for us to imagine Mm -hmm. that shrimp is just a thing that you get from the freezer, and that
1: I mean, when you say we, you mean people like us who live in the city, who get their food from a supermarket, who don't seek out. I mean, we try to, but frankly, we don't. We get our food, we get our meat that's shrink-wrapped in styrofoam, and our shrimp is frozen. And sometimes we live on the ocean, so sometimes we're getting our fish from the ocean, but not very often. So, yeah. But your standard Western person isn't
0: killing their own cows. I think there's two serious aspects of that. One we've mostly already covered, but just to say it really clearly is about animal cruelty. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to uh, kill and eat animals if you don't think about the fact that this was once a living thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a moral imperative for you to take that into account if you are going to ki- eat yep. formerly living animals. Yep, And the other one is about... Uh, consumerism and capitalism mm-hmm. and how disconnected... I mean, not to be Marxist about it, but how disconnected we are from the means of production, mm-hmm. how the ultimate source of bread is the bread truck, right? Mm-hmm. We Capitalism encourages us not to think about where anything we consume comes from. Absolutely. It encourages us to to identify ourselves and to interact with the world as consumers. And this movie is completely reinforcing that absolutely by how they think about and how they present what food is absolutely, and so you're there's no such thing as farms no nope. there's no such thing <laughs> even as butchers <laughs> mm-hmm. right uh, that is profoundly alienating mm-hmm. and it's a worldview that is only possible if you're a city dweller if It's only possible if you are a you know
1: Living in a first world country. Living in a first
0: world country. And it is the kind of thing that uh, I think really is psychologically and emotionally harmful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Absolutely. So, I don't know. We're,
1: We've gotten seriously off topic in some I of these rants. I don't think this is off topic maybe at all. Not. I think this is entirely on <laughs> this topic. Is entirely on topic. You're right. Okay. Well, so let's. We having gotta rate said this, that,
0: let's come back to the movie. Yeah.
1: We've got to rate this movie. And we've got to rate it whether it is good or whether it is bad or good or whatever. And then seriously bad or seriously good. I noticed in our in an old episode we talked about medium and we haven't we ever... We have never called we've, anything medium. We never medium. called anything medium. We're kind of a we're we're an extremes kind of people. I guess. Anyway, this movie is serious. seriously is good and Seriously good?
0: I think in terms of good and bad, I think this movie is good, and I think it is unreasonably good. Mm-hmm. It is much better than it has any right to be. Yep. Right? <laughs> I
1: don't know why you always say any right to be, just well, because it came out of nowhere, because it's so no. me? When, it's say,
0: when I say it has any right to be, that is just my way of saying, really, it's my way of saying than I expected it Didn't to you be. expected it to be. It's way, way better than I expected it to be, and it's way, way better than if I examine the pieces Mm-hmm. I think is going to come out of it. Yeah. Um, in terms of seriously good, I think it's seriously medium okay. because I think there are some really high points in terms of seriousness, but I think there are some real problematics to this movie as yeah, well. Absolutely.
1: Medium. Seriously I Seriously medium.
0: Medium. I can go for
1: that. Medium It's rare. good.
0: <laughs> very good. And seriously medium.
1: All right. Well.
0: All right. That so, brings us
1: to the end of Cloudy the the Chance of Meatballs 2. I hope we do an episode of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 1 that that doesn't make us liars at yeah. the beginning of this. <laughs> we have trouble because our, our kids pick the movies. We can't, like, go against them. That's kind of jerky. We have set a precedent with them that they pick the movie on a Friday night. So we yeah. might either have to convince them to watch the first one, which I think they wanted to. Yeah, I think it's a or, that we can make. Or watch it on our own, which we don't really want to. All right, well... So, so, oh, because we like to watch grown up movies. <laughs> Did you know that? We also like to we watch grown up movie. movies and
0: TV. <laughs> Mostly TV. Um, so, Jan, if so people fun. wanted to find us, talk to us, get back to us about why this movie is great or not great or whatever,
1: send us some puns about food and
0: exactly. what we talked about.
1: I wanted this episode to be much more punny, and it just isn't. All right. You can talk to us. You can tweet to us on Twitter at WTScast you can send us an email, waytoseriouslycast at gmail.com. Or if you want to support us, you want to kick us a little bit of money, you could support us on Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com. I, don't, I asked it like it's a question because I, I, feel, I feel nervous asking people for this. Well, Patreon.com slash ClockworksCast. Kick us a dollar a month, whatever you can afford. You get a little bonus, a little trivia episode. To go with your regular episodes. That's kind of fun. And Paul, you keep wanting to interrupt me. What do you want to say?
0: I was just going to say, maybe I won't uh, on this episode. At some point, I think we need to give a rundown of all the fabulous benefits you get from supporting us on Patreon because they are many.
1: They are legion. But maybe (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this isn't
0: the one because we're running long. Yep.
1: All right. And one last thing is uh rate us. Rate us and review us on iTunes or whatever the Apple thing is nowadays. I still call it iTunes. Just open that up even if you don't use it to listen to the podcast. That's where you have to review things. So just take a day, take a not really a whole day. Take a day, wow. take a day off work. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying I mean <laughs> Tell your boss. maybe you don't listen to that many podcasts, but I need a whole day to just open up your iTunes, go through all the podcasts you listen to, give them all five stars, give them a rating, because that's the way to support podcasts. And that's the way to support this one. So please do. We love you guys. Yeah.
0: And I'm going to pipe in to say what you just said that like, rate and review us, but do rate and review all the podcasts you listen to. Like we're always, every podcast I listen to begs for ratings and reviews. And until I started doing a podcast, it, it means so much. Yep. Don't just rate and review us. Rate and review every podcast you listen to. Yep. So thank you very, very much for listening to us today. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And... Have a very good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boo.
1: <laughs> you are not allowed to boo me. Uh,
0: I boo you. Uh, t- potato... I don't have a. There were meat bowls. (laughs) Meat (laughs) Meat bowls. That was the best one. And then there were matzo bowls.